Thank you for being here with us today. And can we just appreciate our band and our tech team that went through, yeah, I mean, they've been amazing to make all of this work. And I know that they make it look like it's just easy to stand up here in the Florida sun on a Sunday morning outside and lead worship, um, but it is not easy. And so we're so thankful for all the work that they commit um, to encouraging you and to serving the Lord. Uh, today we're kicking off a new series, and I, I want to, full disclosure, we're going into this series because I, I wanted it, I needed it, I'm giving myself a sermon and I'm letting you listen to it. So just, just so you know where we're at in this. And some of this might seem like it's a little bit more focused towards younger families. And that's once again because we're talking to Paul right now and I'm letting you listen to me. But I believe that it's going to have application across every age spectrum. But some of the examples that I use might fall into that category. Last November, we did a series called Reclaiming the Table. And some of you guys remember it. Some of you guys were very impacted by it and asked for additional cards that we gave out as we did it last time. And we're doing that series again with different content because it was so beneficial to so many families and because it was so beneficial to me. And I also want to say, I know you guys need to social distance, but there's a whole lot of shade just right there. And so if you decide you need more shade, don't be afraid to come get right up front in the shade, okay? You can do that. Um, as we get into the series, I was reminded of an interaction that I had. I worked in student ministry for about 15 years. And I talked to a lot of parents in a lot of different seasons, a lot of different situations. And there were these two parents that wanted to talk with me because they had just adopted two children after raising their, their biological children. And as they adopted these two children, they began to see that it's not the exact same situation as the children that they raised. And they were providing structure, they were providing rules, they were providing food, they were providing clothes, they were providing a bed to sleep in, but the children were providing issues for them. And all of the things that they tried to do, that they did with their biological children, they weren't working with their newly adopted children. And so they came and they wanted to get some advice because they were just running into this wall. And they, they felt so discouraged and so distressed because the, the kids weren't falling into line the way that they thought they would. And so as I listened, eventually I asked them this question of, you've made sure that the kids know the rules. Do you think that those kids know that you love them yet? And it was one of those moments where their face kind of changed color. And not out of anger because I presented it out of, compassionately as possible, but out of realization that as they have brought and tried to assimilate these two young lives into their household, they recognized they provided lots of rules and lots of structure, but not much affection. And they knew that the kids could tell them what the rules were, but they weren't sure if the kids could tell them how they felt. And, and I start there because so many people's relationship with God, it starts in this place where they feel like it's about the rules, it's about the structure, it's about the regulations, and there's something that feels like it's missing from that because they've never known the love that is supposed to accompany all of that. And in fact, loving the Lord, it's the foundation for all of the obedience and all of the follow through that scripture gives us. But if you miss the piece that starts with the relationship, that starts with the love that we're supposed to have with God, then all of the rules will feel burdensome. All of them will feel tiring if we miss the love portion. And today, as we get into this series, 
we're going to go through what's one of the most famous passages about raising up children, about the way that the family is supposed to work. And it's found in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy. If you have your Bible, you can open up. It's in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And the starting point of hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. It's such an importance that we start with love when we understand our relationship with God because it changes the way that we see all of the instructions in the same way that a child listens to someone who loves them differently than someone that they have no relationship with. We interact with our Heavenly Father differently when we are responding to His instructions because we know the love that He has placed into our life. As I've tried to work with other people's small children. I'm better at working with teens, quite honestly. I'm good with my own kids, but when it comes to other people's kids, I just don't think I come off very well because I've had other people's children tell their parents that that Paul guy is scary. (laughs) And I try to convince my kids that I'm scary, but they don't quite buy into that for some reason. And, And part of the reason is they are so familiar with who I am and how I am that my kids have no fear of me. And in fact, when they get scared at night, I tell them there's nothing to be afraid of in here except for me. And then they just laugh at me more, which helps them get out of the scared thing. But it's just, I'm not scary to them because they know me, because they have a relationship with me. And so when I give them instructions, they react to them differently than if you would try to give them instructions. And, and I just, I want to really grind into this point because what I'm going to ask you through this series is I'm going to ask you to try some things, to take some steps, to respond to some challenges, but not just because it's a rule, not just because it's a regulation, but because I believe your heavenly father has something for you that he wants to do within your family, within your marriage, within your friendships. But it's going to require this heart that responds to his prompting as, you, as he puts it on your heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. When we think about doing something and doing it with all of our heart, we understand that's different than just moving through the motions of doing something. And I don't want you to miss, as this passage talks about loving God, it gives us parameters for how we're supposed to love him. It starts with all of our heart. And we know that when our heart is in something, we do it differently. Then it goes to all of our strength. It includes all of our soul. The way that we love the Lord It's supposed to be different than any other love. It's supposed to be stronger than any other love. Doing notes in the wind is a whole different thing. And if I don't follow my notes, we will be here for longer than I would like to keep you here in this sun. So I apologize if I'm flipping this around. We are called to love the Lord with with this passion, with this intensity that is completely different than other loves. With all of our strength, with all of our heart, and when we do that, I want to talk about the effect that it has on your family. When you love God passionately, it helps you to be more patient. When you love God passionately, it helps you to reprioritize your schedule for the things that really matter. When you love God passionately, you see the time that you invest into your children in a different way. And it's not by mistake 
that God starts with this instruction about how you love him, and then it flows into the way that we're supposed to impress this love upon our children. Because you can't give your kids something that you don't have. You can't give your spouse encouragement in Christ that you don't have. You can't give your extended family and your friends a love and a passion for God that they need to have in their life if you don't have it. The notes are trying to get away. And so it starts with the love that we have. And, and then he goes into the instruction. He says, these commands that I give to you today, they're supposed to be on your heart. They're supposed to be present on your heart. And I, I'll tell you right now, when we think about things that are on our heart, that on our community's heart right now, there's going to be a lot of people who have heavy hearts come Wednesday. There's going to be a lot of people who feel like their hope for what the future of our nation was supposed to be looking like they're going to be in a state of depression because their heart is so set on something. And I want to tell you, no matter what you think about the election, no matter who sits in the White House, we still know who sits upon the throne. Our future, our destiny, what's going to happen in the way that we live our life, it's not going to be dictated by the results of the election because God has a plan for us. And so, I understand we should, have, we should put effort into what's going on in our city, in our state, in our nation. We should put effort in that. We should vote. I encourage all of you guys to use your voice and make it known through your vote. You should take the time to make sure that happens. But where your heart is should not be swayed by what happens in the nation. Because there's a reality that your heart and your mind, it only has so much space and men, we know that our space is a little bit more limited than, than the women's space. We can think about one or two things, and they seem to be processing 50 to 100 things. But the fact is that even you women, you can only have so many things that are on your heart at one time. And if God's commands are on our heart, these things that he speaks to us today was supposed to be on our heart, then they're going to be pushing out the occupancy of worries and anxieties that don't belong in our life today. And... If, if you are very emotionally vested into this election, I understand there will be things that are felt, but I don't want you to get pushed into a depression that takes control of your life's direction because of something that God still has authority over. And if the election doesn't go your way, let God's commands be on your heart, not your fears about what could happen in this nation. We need to be a people who intentionally are putting his commands on our heart because it does a couple different things. It helps us know our Heavenly Father better when we know his words better. It speaks to us. It's active and alive. When we put his word into our mind and into our heart through our week, it prepares us for the things that are ahead. It helps us to see opportunities that we didn't recognize were there. It corrects behaviors and attitudes that we didn't even know were wrong in our life when we put his word into our heart. It renews who we are as a person, but we have to choose to put his word into our heart, into our head, and it's gonna change the way that we behave. And I wanna tell you, your attitude is even more contagious than COVID-19. And as many fears as we have going around in our world today, I am more concerned about the attitude of the church and what we present to our culture than any of the issues that are happening in our culture. If the church begins to be controlled by fear and only speaks about what they hate and not what they believe God can do in this city and in this nation, then we as a church are going to miss a huge opportunity to be a source of light for our nation. We need to be guided by what scripture teaches us. We need to have it in our heart so that it's guiding our behaviors, our actions, our words. 
And specifically, it corrects our behaviors, it corrects our attitudes. Jesus described his commands this way and what they mean to us in Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 21. He was speaking and he said, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And this is, this is so echoed in James when it talks to us about not just being hearers of the word and deceiving ourselves, but actually being doers of the word. That his commands, his instructions, they have to move from just the mental place to it affects the way that we live our life. Those who love me obey my commands. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each one of them. Jesus lays it out as the authentic follower of Christ is the one who follows the things that he taught. And there is a, there's a large group of people in our society today who claims the name of Christ but disregards all of his teaching. And I want to tell you, according to Jesus' words, we can't live that way. We can't be his followers and disregard what he has taught us. We have to keep his commands, his instructions upon our heart. And then the instruction that's given of a transfer that needs to be made is we need to impress these these teachings, these commandments, this love, we need to impress it upon our children. Now, I wonder if I were to follow you home and into your house and we looked at your dining room table, what does it look like? Now, maybe, maybe you've got it put together and I'm proud of you, but I will tell you more than once in our life, our dining room table has been a conglomeration of bills and laundry, and things that don't have a place to be stored, and it just kind of stacks up higher and higher. And I don't know if this has happened to you. And so one of the things that it does is because we're so busy with so many things, our dining room gets taken over by other things. And so when we eat our meals, our meals end up getting eaten at different times, different positions of the house. And it's something that because of the busyness, now our family dinners kind of pass away as well. And in fact, one of the things that we see happening in our society is not just the busyness, that the kids have, it's gone into the parents' life and it's affected the family in a way that family dinner just doesn't happen anymore. And I know that there's so many people who are listening to my voice today who have children that are 18 and younger in the home that would say, I can't remember the last time that we all really sat down around the table and ate a meal. And one of the biggest indicators of success in a child's life, it's not even the wealth of the home, it's how often they eat family dinners together which is a strange and surprising find. And one of the things that I want to talk about through this message is that if we're supposed to be impressing upon our children, if we're supposed to be impressing upon our loved one, our spouse, about the importance of loving God and the importance of the teachings of Christ and his commandments, one of my questions is when when is everything else stopping so that we can have conversations? When is everything else stopping so that we can interact with each other? When are we hitting the mute button? When is a cell phone being put out of arm's reach so that our loved ones have our direct attention? Because it's not just the kids that have become addicted to the phones. And once again, hear this message, um, but know that I'm speaking to myself. And this was something that even this week that we had to kind of apply to our family. And this is a challenge that I want all of you guys to take as, as you hear God speaking to your heart about this and wanting to strengthen your family. I, I challenge you to do what we did this week where we, we said, okay, there's going to be three nights this week where, where we have family dinner and we stop things and the screens are going to be off. 
And everybody who is home and in the house, we're going to stop and we're going to eat together. Uh, I, I, the busyness and, and the way that we interact with each other, I also did this little experiment on my kids. They, didn't, they kind of even asked what was going on. When they got home, I stopped what I was doing. I went to the door and I gave them a ridiculously big hug. And they were like, what is going on? <laughs> because we get into these things where we're all just so busy. There's so many things we can handle on our cell phone. And we miss all of these opportunities to convey to them the love that God has placed in our heart for them. And as I talk about this, and you might be saying, well, I'm a single person, or our kids are grown, and so we can't really do those things. Well, I'm going to tell you what. The people who are in your house, stop everything, intentionally put the cell phone out of arm's reach, and, and do dinner with them three times this week. Talk about things that matter. If you, you're single and your family is far away, then make the appointment with them and say, hey, let's do a, let's do a FaceTime dinner. Let's do a Skype dinner. And I'll set the phone up on something, and I know that all of, all of you people who have, have done the thing, you've set up the phone for the selfies, you can do it for a whole dinner, you'll figure it out, and have a FaceTime dinner with someone that you love that might be all the way across the country. Because one of the worst feelings in the world is that when someone that you love and you wish you had spent more time with is no longer accessible to you. And these opportunities to tell them how we feel about them, to tell them the importance of what the Lord has done in our life, these opportunities are fleeting and they are passing. And I don't want to go through another month, another season, where all of the concerns, all of the busyness, all of the stress has such a hold of us that we miss the fact that there's people around us right now that we can encourage, right now that we can impress these truths upon. And especially for parents, um, <laughs> I know we get home from work and we're tired. But scripture gives us th this word impress, that it's not going to just happen by accident. And it's not this rubbing, but it's this pressure that we need to apply of conveying the truth. And I know after a busy day, we just want to kind of come home and relax. But I think that we have to make a decision about how we're going to invest our life. And for those of you who have kids in the house, break out the box of board games. Engage in the conversation. And you might say to me, well, I don't know what to talk about. Well, guess what? We thought of that for you. <laughs> and in fact, um, and we're going to reprint some of these because I understand this print's a little smaller than some of our eyes can handle. Um, but on here is 30 different questions that you can talk about as a family. And if you do a minimum of three family dinners per week, you're going to have more than enough questions to guide you through your conversations. Everything from what's, what's your biggest fear to what is one way that you helped someone else today. And it's going to guide you through conversations with your kids, with your spouse, with your family members who live across the nation to get into some of the important conversations. There's not, there's not a profound theological truth today. But there's a very important and very specific theological truth that we need to live out. Our time matters, our love for God matters, and following his commands matter. And we have to lead into this space. Husbands and wives, you have to lead into this space. Band, if you guys make your way up, I'm going to close this thing out. And so this is your interruption. This is, this is the declaration that we need to reclaim something that we once had that was lost. And I want to call your attention to the fact that generations and generations up until 
about the year 2000, they had this uninterrupted time. This is one of the first generations that's missing out on true parental interaction. And before your family gets too comfortable in this thing where we don't engage with each other, I want to give you this opportunity of an interruption. I want to give you the opportunity to blame it on me. I'm sorry, kids. Pastor Paul said we need to set off this, turn the screens off after dinner time. He said we actually have to look at each other and we actually have to have discussions and it's not my fault, it's his fault, but we're going to do it. And this is what I found. Um, and this is what is true. And, you know, I, I won't tell on my house. Did we just bust something or did I break something? All right. Um, I'm going to tell you how it went down in my household. There was some fussing the first night. There was some fussing of we don't get to do this, we don't get to watch this. But the second night there was excitement. From then on after it was what game do we get to play? Because we're reclaiming that space and we're providing our family something better. Something they can't get from anyone else. So I want to encourage you. I, I want to propel you. I want to push you. I want to prod you. I want to annoy you into taking a risk and making a decision to invest in your family. As you leave today, we'll bring these boxes around over by the gate, and we'll hand them to, to you as, as you go in the car. And so you can take a couple of them. Some of you guys like to give these to some of your friends. Feel free to ask for extras. We have them. Today's whole point is to take a challenge home with you. So I encourage you, decide in your heart right now. We're going to make some space for each other. These next, next four weeks, we're going to make a decision. We're going to get to know each other a little bit better. And as you do that, I believe you're going to have an opportunity to impress on them the love and the commands that your Heavenly Father has poured into your life. And that is something that your kids so desperately need to hear from you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for all the different opportunities and situations that we have around us. I thank you for the opportunity to connect with family members and loved ones across the nation. And I pray that you would just bring to heart how we need to live out this challenge of connecting with others and finding way to have, ways to have these conversations where we impress the commandments and impress the love that you've given us to other people. Help us to be a church that is not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word so that we can see your work happen in this city and across the nation. In Jesus' name, amen.